You're listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Brand Engagement and Multimedia Strategy at Stylus. The fashion industry is in a state of flux, but new digitally driven innovations are pushing the industry forward. And today we're going to be talking about the role that made-to-order technology is playing in shaking things up. To discuss this, I'm joined by Ben Demiri, co-founder and co-chairman at Platform E, a service powering at-scale mass customization, on-demand manufacturing and digital collections across industries, and Saizangeeth Teswani. Head of Advisory, Fashion, Beauty, and APAC at Stylus. So welcome to you both. So I'd like to start by talking about how digital innovation is moving the industry forward. But how would you describe what's happening in the supply chain and retail that's inhibiting brands from moving forward? What are the obstacles? As we know, one of the biggest perils of the industry is the, the way that we have been running our inventory system to date where to date the entire system has been relying on on the push mechanism of the fact that the companies had to forecast their inventory essentially admittedly based on relevant data that companies have but as sophisticated as data gets in the end a forecast is a forecast so what that means is by default like any other forecasting mechanism, one would either under forecast demand, or in most cases, there'll be an over forecasting of of those quantities. And therefore the industry has ends up continuously in this uh, place of essentially accumulating vast amounts of overstock. Now, understanding that overstock is always a part of the equation, There's also mechanisms in which, by default, we understand at a certain point we need to go with aggressive markdowns, and those goods are aggressively marked down. Also, devaluing full-priced goods, eventually, because there is a consumer fatigue, and especially after the last financial crisis, the customer has gotten used to essentially waiting for the sales. So, therefore, there's been a devaluation of the full-price, full-margin goods, Whilst, you know, the shift has been obviously very promotional heavy, in the end resulting in in discarding of the goods, in either burning goods or ending up filling landfills with goods. And fashion has become this uh, industry with a very recognizable vicious cycle with very negative connotations for the environment. And overall, questioning the value of fashion should we really be supporting an industry that is so perilous to our environment, perilous to our social well-being? We've had situations like the ones in Bangladesh where, where that played really severely on two occasions. And first of all, health and safety of the workers. And then lately with COVID crisis, with a massive cancellation of goods by big um, volume companies and high street chains. So we do have as an industry uh, a big spotlight on us from a corporate uh, social responsibility sense 
from how we treat the environment, how we treat the workers, and what is the value of the goods that we should be selling overall. Now, this has all become a lot more exacerbated, like I said, during COVID. And to precisely answer what I think there is, clearly the companies have been, and, and brands, when I say companies, is brands and retailers, the ecosystem, obviously, that deals with the supply side of things, have been stuck with an unprecedented amount of, of stock. So I think more than ever, the notion of a forecasted inventory system has been at question. Are there other alternatives that are credible, that exist today? We're not talking about a dream that could happen in 10, 20 years time. Are there technologies available today and systems which can facilitate an alternative to a traditional push system of forecasted inventory? Well, as we stand today, we, we can definitely attest that there is this ecosystem available, which is, I think, bringing a whole positive light to answering this very question. So I think, in, in my point of view, there's been a big shift into how we understand and accept the inventory system as we go forward. Yeah, I think much of the industry pretty much still depends on a very linear model. Like Ben said, it's relying heavily on historical data to really plan and project the future, but that interconnectedness and so the agility that's needed across the supply chain isn't really there. And I think that COVID has really been sort of a wake-up call because typically fashion has been really slow to adapt to these types of changes. And I think now we're starting to finally see people really reevaluate their processes and look sort of beyond the typical walls and silos that they work under to create more meaningful change in their processes and models. So Ben, you obviously, your, your company platform is obviously part of solving this problem. So could you tell us a little bit about how you, you go about solving that problem? Yes, yeah, sure. So, so first of all, we, we, the way we position ourselves is really a, a made-to-order digital specialist company that addresses made-to-order as, as an ecosystem as a way of balancing the real-time demand with pretty much real-time supply. In this dialogue between the consumer and the brand and manufacturer, and our mission is to really create value for everybody involved. And we can go into what, what value is perceived from our point of view. But in the process, obviously, our mission to connect all these dots by creating this value has also very positive repercussions when it comes to environment and how we deal with the notion of overstock where we practically abolish that notion per se or we at least drastically reduce it through our contribution. So what we mean by that is first of all we, we would work with brands and retailers to digitize products which and creating a, a digital goods catalog if you like which by default by itself it would abolish certain resource-heavy practices like, for example, excessive sampling or prototyping, helping brands to optimize in, in both time and financial sense their resources, so cutting that process throughout, helping them use those digital products in a plethora of ways, 
whether it's a direct e-commerce depiction uh, of that product. Imagine you have a collection of 40 bags and you have to sample every single color of the very same bag in order to sell it for your e-commerce. Well, by digitizing that very bag, you have endless permutations of colors and materials that can be digitized and therefore you can use those very images to to sell on your e-commerce or to internally use for merchandising presentation and understand what is actually going in the collection. So that's the first step into how can we help brands and retailers to optimize from shifting from physical goods into a digital representation of those physical goods for a more optimized use. The other step is how can we enable a front-end layout and a order processing platform for the consumers to be able to interact with that digital product and actually order what they want? And can we make that offer more compelling for them by perhaps adding certain features that would enhance that product? For example, creating a layer of personalization on those digital goods or enabling a full custom feature for those goods, right? So they are more involved, more engaged, and they actually are involved in this process of, I would say, a curated co-creation, right? Which actually the consumer is is responding very well to. So these are the parts that we are involved with. But then the question is, what happens after? How do we help them, the brands and the retailers that we work with, process those orders? And how can we help them actually streamline those orders into their existing operations? How can we help them adopt these practices, right? And so our story, when it comes to thinking about technology and helping developing technology that is user-friendly and applicable, does not stop at front end. We now must think, okay, what happens to that order? How can a retailer integrate that into their current e-commerce engine? And how can that flow through their normal e-commerce processes? And beyond that, how can that flow into their manufacturing processes? And that's where we help them map that part as well, where basically this is able to scale from a standpoint of information being able to flow between different departments and different subsets of this process. So from merchandising, e-commerce, manufacturing, logistics, and back to the consumer, where from a dashboard type of view, each and every one of these stakeholders can actually log in and understand where is this item that was ordered in this supply chain log, if you like. And uh, what we try to, obviously, what we endeavor to do with our technology practices is to really try to give a 360 view to a made-to-order process. So it forms a cohesive answer and something that brands and retailers can do today. It's not tomorrow. So all of this is available as of right now. I'd like to to find out a bit more about what difference this will make to the consumer in terms of price, for instance, ease of buying. How is this also how is this also going to be useful for for the consumer themselves in the, the greater sense of value from the products that they acquire? 
It, it's very interesting on the concept of value, right? Because when we take into account what value is, today a part of value is also being environmentally conscious. When you think of product today, it's no longer about having a brand and a design value and quality value. If we think about post-COVID especially, budgets are restricted, people are really reevaluating their discretionary needs, and there's this greater interest in that price-to-value ratio. So when they're able to kind of put their own mark on something, they really can see new value to these um, you know, products. And I think also with a lot of the inclusion narratives that are happening right now, people want to be able to see themselves represented in products. And I think being able to order something with your own sort of mark on it, being able to curate something to your own taste can really help further that. So COVID, the, the great catalyst, right? If there's one thing that we have to be thankful to COVID is, I think it has really propelled us to ask a very simple question. Uh, one worded question, actually, why? I think we, we've all been asking that question a lot. Why? Why do I need this? Why do I do this? Why should I continue doing this or, or buying this product? Or why do I need it? So the, the really answering a very basic question, why, has been more prevalent than ever. I think we can all attest to that. Yeah. Certainly, I think what, what we're doing definitely answers that. We see it in the consumer behavior where essentially in the sea of products that's actually very indistinguishable there is no local nuances in terms of products in terms of offer there is a, a lack of personal touch and recognition to the consumer and actually failing to answer the question why why do they need this i think thanks to this situation that it's very unfortunate but yet it did accelerate some positive thoughts around what should our focus be as we go forward. Goods need to have a meaning, especially the more expensive they become, the more meaningful they need to be, right, for the consumer. And I think what through our offer, through what we make possible, the consumer actually has a chance to co-create, to be a part of something and to answer the question of why they need this because it is special because it is made just for them and guess what also it doesn't destroy the environment they're also the studies have shown that they're likely to hold on to these goods a lot longer than they would otherwise so it's also about the cycle of ownership so it's very positively impacting the entire product life cycle the data from Platform E has shown that the brands that offer made-to-order essentially, on average, reap the benefits of not just full price, but actually super margins. They've gone, on average, it's plus 42% on full price. That's a huge uplift in a very highly promotional market, right? In terms of category growth, Brands that do it register on average a growth of 12% per category, which is again a, a huge leap. So overall, that's, that's what I meant when we started talking about this. It overall seems to be that made to order is a huge win for all the sides involved, where everyone from the manufacturer, they're, they're not obviously squeezed on, on price, 
to obviously brands are able to, to charge what's fair for a product like this, that it's very special and made upon customer soliciting. And definitely customer walks out feeling a lot more special, a lot more recognized and definitely closer to the brand versus buying something that's discounted 70% off on, on sale, right? So overall, this is what we mean by creating value. If we think about the younger consumer, Gen Z in particular, I think the way they're thinking about consumption is really changing. And we see that a lot in, you know, digital only garments. The fact that they don't feel like they need to own something to, to know that they're consuming it, that actually shows they're willing to accept some of these new models and the new ways of accessing products and brand. I think with the older consumers, they're more about that immediacy and tangibility. So I think the mindset change needs to come from the businesses, but we're also seeing that happen with the consumer as well. So I ask each guest the same three questions at the end of every episode of Future Thinking. So the first one is, if you had a million dollars, where would you invest it right now? Really, the question is quite broad. And to answer also broadly, I think it's it's mostly to do with the criteria. It's not exactly pinning down what would that investment be. But actually, as a counter commentary to you, Saisangi, there is a massive shift, uh, generational shift in terms of perception uh, around consumerism, where a mission of a company is first and foremost, the most important thing and then activity and impact is the second, right? Uh, and product and, and all the other variables that we are used to evaluate as a first thing, right? So I would invest it clearly in technology play that entails companies that have a mission. And here the mission needs to be very clear and very positively impactful for the world today. Because I think we are going to see a, a huge shift in, in generations as we speak. And the entire, if you look at most of how fashion industry is run right now, it's run by, say, Gen X or even older, which was all about lifestyle and, and this type of di dictatorial fashion, where I'm buying a designer and my entire life needs to be uh, the designer, right? That has changed with the millennials, right? Where it's a lot more about convenience and it's about how can I make, you know, my life a collage of different things to my convenience. But guess what? With Gen Z, there's a whole tip here where uh, the first question will be, what is the cost of such convenience? And 80% of the generation are actually not about status or amassing a huge amounts of money, but really about qualifying what is the mission of a company and a product and how inclusive it is. So I would say if I'm to invest today, the first thing I would question is the mission of that company, first and foremost, to be ready for the generation of tomorrow. Thank you. So the second question, which I guess probably, probably may land in a similar place, but what's a consumer problem or challenge you don't think has been successfully solved yet? For me, there is still a disconnect within really the balance between 
having a lot of data from the consumer, but actually giving them a meaningful reciprocation of what they need. In other words, this omni-channel cloud, this gray cloud, has not been solved yet in an efficient way. I think what we're finding is a lot of friction points around the consumer and what we think they want and the data that we're getting, which the consumer is not actually 100% happy about. But I don't think we, we still make it easy for the consumer to really navigate in, in space and really merge that online offline experience. I think there's a lot of work to do there. And the other part, I think it's, it's made to measure, which is something that has scored very high from our research. But obviously, they are the most hesitant to order because they worried about, is it going to fit them, etc. So again, it goes back to consumer centricity and solving the problems of understanding our consumer and also understanding where they are and, and acknowledging them in their entirety. Lifestyle today is very eclectic. We do many things in the day. And I think understanding where our consumer is, where do they move, what do they do, and making it easier for them. And finally, which individuals or brands do you look to for inspiration in your work? In terms of brands and companies, I look at companies that really make an impact. For me, sustainability is important, like for most of the consumers, but most notably, I love projects where something is taken on from a very negative context and actually purposefully reused. Again, taking also the fashion boxes, right? Because we now also understand that buying sustainable fashion shouldn't rob us of beautiful aesthetic, so the two should coexist. There is a company called uh, Volabuck, which does a series of products. I encourage everyone to check them out. They're called Volabuck, again. And they, they have really various concepts where they've got, for example, a, a full metal jacket made out of 11 kilometers of copper, carbon fiber t-shirt, ceramic t-shirt, algae t-shirt, and it also looks great. So I, I look at companies that generally have some kind of innovation in the product. I think that's very important today. And also, I love technology companies that actually deal with production as well. For example, there is Resonance run by Lawrence Lenihan that is creating made-to-order or small batch production systems for great talented designers in the U.S., there is, of course, Lectra and Gerber technologies that are already out there with software and hardware to actually help create this agile manufacturing. And again, tagged along our technology, it creates this full loop, full circle solution, which I think we all need. Fantastic. It's really exciting to hear how positive change can be made and made quickly. As you say, it's not a five to 10 year roadmap we're talking about. We're talking about stuff that can be done right now, which is great. And I hope um, everyone listening can take that on board. And I'd like to thank my guests, Ben Demiri and Saizangith Daswani. And thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. 
Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you liked what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.